Welcome to Intrigued and Confused, a mental health podcast hosted by the Recording Library of West Texas, a cool nonprofit that provides audio to those with mental, physical, or learning impairments. I'm your host, Bailey Hennis, Executive Director at the Recording Library. Enjoy today's show, and thanks for supporting those who read by listening. So today we're going to talk about back-to-school jitters and (laughs) what it's like to to be a parent and your kids are going back to school still in the middle of COVID-19. What does that look like? The stresses that come with that, how you stress not only for yourself, but with your kid. And I'm here with Dr. Stephanie Moses again, who is joining us for a series of at least six episodes for our Intrigued and Confused podcast. (laughs) So welcome back, Stephanie. Thank you. I'm so happy to be back and loving the title Intrigued and Confused because I think that that really captures where I am (laughs) right now and probably a lot of other people, you know, with the back to school coming up, you know, and out here in our area, school started back so quickly. It seems like we didn't even hardly have a summer. You know, we're in West Texas here and it's uh, it started back August 2nd for my kids and I have four in the public school system. So it seemed like it came up really quickly. And you were talking to me, um, Stephanie, and and Stephanie Moses is Dr. Stephanie Moses and a psychologist and amazing psychologist. So we always appreciate her joining us for the show. And of course, we do this with uh, an audio in a podcast form because we care mostly about those who cannot access the printed word due to a visual, mental or physical impairment. So we enjoy doing this show for our visually impaired clients. Absolutely. The important thing is access to the information. That's right. Equal access to information is our jam. So before the show, Stephanie, you were talking to me about how you're getting these letters from schools saying uh, talking about exposure. Can you can you tell me a little bit more about that? I sure can. So I, like I mentioned, I have four kids in the public school system. And, you know, with the Delta variant, I think a lot of people are some people are acting as if it's just not there. And some people are really weary. And I, I think it's a challenge for the school systems to know how to bring the kiddos back safely. It feels very different than it did last year at this time. You know, it seemed like everyone was really on high alert last year mm-hmm. and uh, doing a lot of mitigation efforts and, you know, trying to figure out how to be online versus not. And this year, it really seems a lot different. So we're three or four weeks into the school year. Um, maybe this is the fourth week going in now for my kiddos. And the youngest ones who can't get vaccinated are the ones, obviously, that we're worried about because I am a vaccination girl. Not everyone is. And, and that's great. That's cool. Uh, but my two little ones have not gotten vaccinated. They're five and eight. And we've got notifications probably every day for the last five or six school days saying that some one of at least one of the kiddos has been exposed. Uh, and, you know, the exposure is they're closer than six feet for over 15 minutes. And so they're still going with that guideline okay. as uh, sending out the notification letters. It's also interesting because they're not required to quarantine like they were last year. I think that that's another difference. The information almost seems confusing. And as a healthcare professional, I was confused right. when I got the letter. I'm like, so does this mean quarantine? And so I, re- I read it three times and it didn't say quarantine. It just says monitor your child for symptoms. Uh, and so I asked, you know, one of our local health experts, like, what am I supposed to do with this? How do I mitigate this and manage this to really reduce the spread among other kiddos? Uh, and so she gave me the CDC recommendations at that time where it's just like, yeah, quarantine. And, you know, if symptoms set in on that three to five days, get them tested. If not, then you're you're good to go. 
Uh, but the school letter said, hey, these will count as absences if you quarantine your child. Wow. So it felt very confusing. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't really quite sure where to, where to go and what to do with that uh, information. So honestly, I'll be very honest. I went off the information that I got last year that kiddos' immune systems tend to be a little bit more boosted because they're getting vaccine shots regularly and they're around each other and walking germs. Uh, and so, you know, stick them full of elderberry and monitor them for symptoms and send them to school. Because what we do know from the pandemic last year is being in that school environment is healthier for the child. A lot of kids are still having residual mental health and physical health issues, right? Some of them didn't have access to food and abuse was going on and just the lack of social interaction. So I determined as a working mom and because they weren't showing symptoms, you know, I thank goodness I got it on a weekend so I could monitor them. I just went ahead and sent them to school and kind of hope for the best. Wow, that has to be stressful for you as not only a parent, but also someone in the healthcare field because yeah. it's our, four weeks in and you're already getting these letters. Right. It's very scary. I mean, it, it is. And, you know, as we go towards the winter months, it seems like it's going to be even scarier. What are the protocols here? Uh, and... At this point, I've made the personal decision, obviously, if one of my children is even acting differently before the symptoms even come on, because, you know, I'm able to say, well, that's different. You normally don't take a nap in the afternoon when you Mm -hmm. get home from school. Something's up. Mm -hmm. So as long as their behavior seems to be consistent, I'll go ahead and and send them. I I don't part of it is because I don't know what else to do. You know, but the stress, the stress is there. Uh, But maintaining the sense of normalcy for me when we can is hugely important to mitigate my own stress and for them too. So I made that decision. I still don't know if it was the right or wrong decision to make. I mean, we're still trying to figure this all out together. And, but it's just, it's just stressful. It has to be stressful for parents to make that decision for your kids. Extremely. And I know some parents have personally said, we're just going to do online school and that's Mm -hmm. what we're going to do until this thing is handled. Other parents are saying, hey, we don't know what's in that vaccine. We're not vaccinating and we're sending our kids to school. We're going on life as normal. You know, everybody has a right to do what they believe is right. You know, and I hate that it's become political because it's science. Right. Right. But you make your choice and hope for the best. And if you're a praying family, you pray for the best, Mm -hmm. you know, and I think that that's all we can do. I think the part about some form of normalcy and structure is the most important for parents and kiddos to mitigate that stress. So. Can you talk a little bit more about the benefits of of having that sense of normalcy for your kids in particular and going back to school with some socialization? You mentioned that you've seen people and individuals their mental health are struggling during COVID. What is your opinion moving forward, given this Delta variant? Um, what is your opinion about having that sense of normalcy for those kids? Right. That's that's a great question. I, I'm not going to talk about the Delta variant because I'm not a physician. So I, right, right. <laughs> so I don't want to give out wrong information, but I will talk about the normalcy and the structure. Structure is hugely important for kiddos and consistency, mm-hmm. right? Uh, which is why schools start and stop at the same time. And we do Monday through Friday because that's important. When kids know what to predict, what's going to happen next, they feel safer, It helps them be happier and healthier and they can develop their sense of identity. Like this is who I am. This is my structure. This is my day. And it's shaped, you know, a lot of times their influence with the morality center, which is this is right and wrong. They're learning those things consistently. So being able to predict what's going to happen next reduces anxiety. Being having some sense of normal, right? This is just kind of what we do gives them a sense of security. And so that's very important 
kids of all ages, even us big kids, you know, mm-hmm. adults will have a very similar reaction to kiddos when they can't predict what's going to happen next. The anxiety may manifest differently, but it's still anxiety. It's still the uncertainty. And that sets in a lot of fears. And, you know, sometimes people internalize it and it really impacts their sense of self, their self-concept, which is their ability to see themselves as an individual across environments and be consistent across environments. Mm -hmm. And that's what we really don't want. Socially, it's hard enough for our kiddos to figure out who they are, you know, and then you throw in something like the pandemic and parents aren't sure So maintaining that if they are, you know, in little league football or volleyball, take them to their practices consistently, you know, encourage them to get up and go to school if they're not sick and engage with the teachers, engage with other students. Peers, our own age, are also another huge resiliency factor against depression and anxiety, feeling accepted, feeling bonded, you know. And so that I think that that was a big part of what was going on for a lot of us during the pandemic when we had to stay home is we were maybe with, with our families. Well, I don't know about you. I don't want to be with my four kids all the time. <laughs> They're not my age. I'm sick of being asked for a treat. Like, I, no, we're not getting a treat for everything, you know. But when you can talk to someone on your level, it really just helps to ground you and, and keep you connected. So that's another reason why structure and socialization with people your age and in your uh, similar profession is so important. I never really thought about it in that aspect. That is so true that we haven't been able to socialize with those people that we identify with. That's something to really take a deep dive into your own self. Maybe if you're suffering with depression or anxiety right now, especially during back to school, just think about, you know, you haven't had that chance to go and and meet with your girlfriends for wine or or drinks or, and just maybe vent, you know, or or, or chat. You haven't had to, you haven't been able to do that or things that you associate yourself with, like volunteering. A lot of people have not been able to go volunteer. So they don't have that sense of identity as, Hey, I, I consider myself to be a volunteer and I hang out with other volunteers. You haven't been able to do that or, Mm -hmm. or golf or sports. You haven't been able to. Yeah. Whatever those interests are. And, you know, proximity is what breeds connection, you know? And so when you're not doing those things that you were normally doing, we keep saying the word normal, right? Because we all need a sense of that for the security. Mm -hmm. So you're not around those similar groups and those same people. So it feels like your connections could be lost. But, you know, the thing that feels kind of scary for me personally is like, well, we started reengaging in those things again. And now what's happening? Now we're being told to distance again. Now Mm -hmm. we're being told to be cautious again. And that feels very scary. Like, is this going to be taken away? And that could be another element for increased anxiety is like, is, oh, goodness, what's going to happen now? Is this going to happen again? Because, you know, this is really, according to the medicine in, in our local health department, some of the worst times that we've seen since the pandemic started, mm-hmm. right, is kind of right now. So a lot of people are fearing losing that connection and that proximity again, too. Mm-hmm. And and for me, I am not too connected on social media and we're going to talk about social media here in, in just a few minutes, too, because we think that it's important and it plays an important role um, dealing with COVID and socialization mm-hmm. and identity. So we're going to talk about that here in just a few minutes. For me personally, I had to take a break from social media because I, it, I was just oversaturated with so much COVID negativity. And it just it was bringing me down so much. And I just had this sense of dread. I yeah. was like, I, I what if we have another shutdown, you know, and as Someone in, in nonprofit, that's a huge stress because you have to not only think about yourself, but you have to think about your volunteers and your clients and everyone else. So I had to take a break from social media and just 
try to get my news elsewhere. Right. Um, and that's another thing, you know, what's accurate, what's not accurate. And sometimes they, the professionals don't even know not yet. Sure. So yeah. our, our sense of, of security is, is very questioned at the moment. But for me, it seemed like this new variant kind of not came out of the blue. I don't want to say that we knew that, that mm-hmm. this was a possibility. But it was just one day when it was it was like, hey, this is serious again. Yes. And this is a big deal. Like, right. right. This but is like a big all deal. Of a sudden. Uh-huh. And so I had a lot of anxiety hearing that because just like kids look up to their teachers or their counselors in school. Us as adults, we look to our government mm-hmm. and the CDC mm-hmm. and healthcare professionals. So we are looking to them for our sense of security. That's right. <laughs> that's right. And that's. To me, one of the things that's made this entire pandemic so anxiety provoking is because we are looking to our leaders, right, which we should be. But then they're giving conflicting information. And that's really hard. At least it seems that way on social media. Right. Right. Um, it seems like you you scroll to one person's post on Facebook. It says one thing and you scroll, to, mm-hmm. you know, or mm-hmm. the news or someone else's post on Facebook and it says something else. And so we really do have to be careful of what we're taking in. And, you know, it's interesting to me because I start to think about, you know, different psychological phenomenons. And there's one called a confirmation bias. And this relates so well to social media because what confirmation bias says is whatever we believe in or wherever our current schema, which is our thoughts, wherever those are, is we'll take an information that supports that. But then any information that doesn't support that, we just filter all the way out or we deny. That is really confusing yes. too because then... We become solidified in our current cognitions, our current thoughts or beliefs, not really knowing if that's the truth, but we feel justified in it because we filtered in all the information that confirms it mm-hmm. and filtered out everything that doesn't. And to me, that leads to confusion, just like the title of the podcast. Yeah, it leads to, to confuse. Yeah, yeah. It, it's very it can be very confusing. And, you know, you see people on social media who have very hard, strict standards and beliefs and they put it out there and, hey, that's freedom of speech. That's great. Right. I think the problem is, is we get caught up in the social media posts and um, we forget that people can disagree with our opinions. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. (laughs) And that is way okay. We don't all want to be the same, do we? I hope not. No. (laughs) Maybe. I don't want to be the same. That would be extremely boring. Horribly boring. I mean, I am amazing and there's just not more of me. (laughs) Exactly. We need to to clone more of you. (laughs) No, 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 you don't. The world can only handle one of me. But I think where so as we kind of slide into the social media component now, if 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 that's okay, you know, one of the interesting and intriguing things to me about social media in general is its original intent. Right. Right. So I'm going to age myself. You go back to MySpace or (laughs) right. But even like back before that, when we had dial up Internet, yes, I'm really aging myself in the chat rooms. That was kind of like the first like, you know, like dipping your toe in the water of this increased and expanded connection beyond your landline. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so at those moments that the intention for the chat room, Yahoo chat or whatever it was, and and now different forms of social media was Mm -hmm. to connect us. Right beyond like extend beyond our current barriers so when you think about that that sounds amazing Mm -hmm. and it's awesome that it was done and it's so easy it just seems like it's morphed into something completely different for a lot of us and that part is a little concerning to me unfortunately now i think that we get caught up in wanting to fight people that have different opinions that put it out there. And I and I think some people put out their bold opinions on purpose, right? As right. agitators. Right. For whatever. <laughs> agitators. Right. They, they sure are. Right. For whatever reasons, because I think there's a way to state your opinion 
but not, you know, go for the jugular. So it's just Mm -hmm. kind of come this, for some people, a safe platform to agitate. And that's concerning to me. Mm -hmm. Uh, The other thing is, is the most concerning thing to me, though, because I can just scroll past the people that I feel like are intentionally trying to agitate, (laughs) is the comparison. We tend to compare ourselves in our lives to whoever is on social media. doesn't matter whether they're talking about the pandemic or their new job or new car or how wonderful their kids are. And that can be hard, especially when you're struggling and you've gone through a bump in your life and you're scrolling on social media because some people use it to cope and in certain amounts and certain like with certain restrictions and boundaries, it can be a great coping skill, right? It should be a healthy distraction on some level, Mm -hmm. but some people it works against them. It becomes very unhealthy. The amount of time and the comparison or how many likes did this get? Everything is based off of how many likes you got, because now that has become our way of saying I'm accepted is I got a thousand likes, which I've never gotten a thousand likes, by the way. I'm lucky if I get a hundred. Right. But right. here's the thing. You still count that. Right. And it's just like, oh, these people are accepting me. They like me. They like this post. Right. And then the ones that don't get as much, we will tend to ruminate, which means think about the same thing over and over and ponder mm-hmm. of why that one didn't get. We internalize not getting those likes and we and then we say, well, they didn't like that picture, so they must not like me. Exactly. Or I'm not pretty enough. I'm not. I, I, yeah, I didn't meet their standards to get a thousand likes. Exactly. On that Can you talk a little bit more about subconsciously how you think that's affecting us? Like, are we even realizing that we're doing that at this point where you're like, I posted this picture with not a lot of intentions, but I think there were some subconscious intentions that you weren't aware of. Right. I So. Here's the deal. I think that for some people, it is a very conscious thing. Mm -hmm. Some people live their life on social media for that attention and that external validation. Mm -hmm. I think that's the part that can get really scary is when you are craving or needing or addicted to even an addicted is probably a strong word. The external validation that you're enough and that you're okay. Mm -hmm. So some people, I think, do it very consciously. Right. And put things out there because. They want to get a ton of likes, which is why you see the sexy pictures or the pictures of the brand new car, Mm -hmm. you know, and we didn't used to have that before. Before social media, people had to come up to you and say, oh, you look beautiful today or I like that shirt or, you know what I mean? Congrats on the new car. Now we can just sit kind of with the security of our phones and, and, you know, stalk someone. Look, look, Look for that validation. Yeah. And so the external validation, while we all need it, we're humans. And whether you believe in evolution or God or both or something in between, we're social beings. Mm -hmm. Right. Which is why the pandemic was so hard for so many of us, because we couldn't have that social interaction in the same way that we were used to. So we're social beings. We all need a bit of it. But I think what happens is when you get used to getting it on social media from the likes or the comments uh, or people sharing your post or whatever it could be, the one time that you don't, it makes you crave it even more mm-hmm. and seek it even more. So you become dependent on it. And I think we start losing our belief that we're enough. Uh, we start losing our belief that we can give ourselves, you know, some of that external or the internal validation because we, we need a balance of it. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying, you know, there's there's this idea that you should just make yourself happy. Well, right. that's hard to do because we're social, right? So there's an element that you should be peaceful and content and we want everybody to feel healthy and good about themselves, but we all need a little bit of it. Right. Do you you think it plays into a a herd mentality? 100%. Can you explain what a herd mentality is and and just how social media plays into that? Yeah. So herd mentality or or psychologically is called groupthink. It's it's where a, a group of people have some of the same thoughts, which is now why on social media, why you see the fighting and the discourse 
among different groups and we can't tolerate each other's opinions. Mm-hmm. So we have this idea now that because groupthink is similarly one person has a, or, or one small group has a dominant idea or dominant belief. And because that part of the group is dominant or they're the majority, everybody else kind of falls in line, you know. Remember thinking back in school. So remember in school when the teachers would ask us, what do you think the right answer is? Most of us wait to see which whose hands go up for A, B, C, and D, and then we'll just mm-hmm. stick our, especially if you don't know things. Right. It's usually, <laughs> like me, usually the right? same kids. Exactly. Yeah. And so then you just follow oh, the crowd. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and, I, and I know we were doing interviews just here recently for a pretty high up position. And honestly, the candidates I interviewed, I was not feeling. So we did a group interview. It was all of the committee on the interview and, and we're interviewing several candidates and and I'm thinking, I really just don't, I don't think these people are a good fit for this place and this position. I didn't say it. And one guy ended up saying it at the end of the meeting. And we all were like, yeah, goodness, thank goodness somebody said Finally, that, right? someone said it. Right, yeah. exactly. So group think tends to be, typically, though, if one person has an opposing opinion, more do. But we all will tend to go with the majority mm-hmm. of okay. it. And that can be dangerous because we can start to lose our identity, right? Mm-hmm, right? And so then if you do have a different group or opinion or experience, we lose the ability to use our voice and say, that's not how it is for me. Um, and we just end up going along with the majority. So we lose our individualism. That plays into social media too, because if you know people are flocking to particular TikToks or text or whatever, we feel like if we haven't seen it, we're missing out. Right. And if we don't agree, the sense of not being included. Wrong. 100% not it. belonging. Uh-huh. I must be too different. People won't like me if I speak out. Right. They'll think I'm dumb. They'll think I'm this. They'll think I'm that. And typically it has a negative connotation to it. Mm-hmm. I don't think social media was not invented. To, it's not inherently bad. No. But our environment has made it a bit of a challenge for us and our mental health. Yeah. And what a, it, it plays into instant serotonin. It's we get an instant serotonin boost whenever we mm-hmm. are on social media. And you can talk more about this. Um, it plays into the part of our brain, the instant gratification part of our brain, and almost like the gambling side of our brain. That Do you agree? <laughs> yeah. It can be exciting, right? But just as exciting as it can be, it can be hurtful, mm-hmm. right? And so it has the 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 dichotomy that maybe like gambling would have, like, oh, I'm on a high because this post got a lot of likes or this TikTok was really engaging or whatever. And then you can go to the low when somebody disagrees with your opinion. And so the the part about the social media that can be very concerning or very unsettling is the unpredictability of it. If you're out there sharing your life, Mm -hmm. right? Some people don't use it to share their lives. They use it to see what's going on in someone else's life or, you know, for entertainment purposes, I think at this point, if your excuse me, if your intent is not to use it to connect with family and friends and, and whatever, I would highly suggest using it for entertainment only. And the best way to do that is limit your time mm-hmm. and limit what you're really exposing yourself to. Don't go to the controversial page of whatever topic, right? If there's someone that you feel a little slighted by or maybe like their posts are all wonderful and maybe you're just not in that space today. Don't look at their posts. Hide their posts for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Do the things that could be a healthy distraction for you. One of the things that I do is uh, I have I'm horrible, first of all, with technology and I'm horrible with social media. But I really, really love the dog videos on TikTok. They're like some of my <laughs> yes. favorite, like the pets of TikTok wow. or whatever it's called. And so, you know, if I'm decompressing or had a stressful day or just need that minute to zone out, I'll use it for those reasons, but it's time limited. I'll tell myself, okay, we got to get off of here now. 
if you don't have quite yet that discipline to say this has been long enough, set a reminder. And this is what I have to be off. Normally, animal videos are great right. <laughs> for healthy distractions because we tend not to compare ourselves to gorillas and dogs. You're pretty safe with animal videos, probably. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's just when you're seeking justification or uh, maybe even like identity in in the post. It's really it can be really concerning using it there. And, you know, I worry about kids on social media, too, mm-hmm. you know, because not only did it extend the adults abilities to connect it did it for kids, too. And that's really scary. Our kiddos are being exposed to so much more information at, that's not age appropriate. Mm-hmm. And their little brains just don't know how to interpret it. And kiddos from, goodness, probably all of them, but they, their concrete thinking, you know, from two or three up until about nine or ten, abstract thinking kicks in. But then once they start to be pre-tweens, I guess is what they're called, or adolescents, then they go through an identity thing. But the point is, is everything is self-focused for kids. That's just because that's how they know to be in the world. It's not that they're selfish or self-centered. That's how the brain develops, right? They're just inwardly focused. So they have this uncanny ability to make every situation about them. And it normally tends to the negative. So when you have a child on social media and they don't really quite know how to interpret the information, because, you know, Bailey, you and I can say, Okay, she's acting like everything is great and she's wonderful, but she was crying about that two weeks ago. You know right. what I mean? We can we can put it into a proper right. context and say we know that this is just probably a lot of fluff. Mm-hmm. Kiddos can't do that. They see it and they believe it to be real. Um, and then they believe that they're less than because everything is then inwardly focused. So not to mention they just say really ugly things to each other a lot. And, you know, this is an interesting thing as we go to kids in social media and, and socialization the generation now, the younger ones now, very much accept each other, right? It's it's different. They don't have clicks. I was talking to my now 12-year-old about this this past weekend, and she's at a new school because she was kind of sheltered before, so she's in the big, bad public school that I was, <laughs> you know, worried about her. But she's my easy kid, so if anybody can, you know, go into it and just be fine, she could be. And so, you know, the first couple of days, she's telling me this stuff that's going on in school. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is why I didn't want you in this school. But, hey, you got to learn how to handle life Mm -hmm. because kids are different. Right. And we need to learn how to have people have differences. Um, I totally forgot where I was going with this, but I was talking about some of the social media and socialization. But the kids now, she was telling me, like, no, there aren't cliques. Right. Because I grew up in the 80s and 90s, essentially. And we were very clicky. She said, no, everybody's just cool with everybody. There's not like popular kids anymore, mom. Everybody's just you know, friendly together. Hmm. That's their world. And she's in junior high, right? Mm-hmm. Which was a really crappy time for a yeah. lot of us. Yeah. But then on social media, they're really ugly to each other. So it's just, I think that could be very confusing to our younger kids, our preteens or tweens and our adolescents of I'm at school and everything's fine. But then, you know, these other people that are my peers because they think everyone is their friend now. Right. right? are saying these mean and ugly things. So I think limiting or at least knowing what your kids are doing on social media, but even more importantly, having the conversations with them, especially as we get back to school and new kidders are coming in and they're each getting each other Snapchats and TikToks and DMing and all of that, it can become very overwhelming, especially if you're not technology savvy like me, Mm -hmm. you know, setting up those parameters, but having the conversations with them, planting the seeds with your kids that not everything you see on the Internet is the truth. Not everything on social media is how it really is, you know. Right. So they start to at least challenge perspectives that are not in line with your family values or in line with their own healthy self-esteem choices. 
the conversations are really important. I think that that would be a great program to have in the schools. Like it is. I think so. And yes. Yeah. I think some schools are starting some of those programs and talking about it. And one of the things that uh, the school my my young girls came from, and now I think it's in the middle school, is even emotional intelligence, mm. which is huge. You know, we didn't get that. They're, wait, they're talking about that? Yeah. Now, it's great. It's a class <laughs> that I had to sign her up for. Okay, right? okay. And of course, having a psychologist for a mom, you're taking that emotional you're like, intelligence. You're, you're like, you're reading it. You're like, definitely, you're signing it. Right. But, but that kind of makes me happy. Yeah, at least there's access there. And, yes. and I can understand not all parents are having their kids in that class because, you know, but the fact that it's there and it's starting to, you know, penetrate some of the school systems and they're talking about it at earlier ages and school counselors are doing programs on it now. The importance, because not everybody is depressed and not everybody's anxious, but we all have emotions, you know, mm-hmm. and we all need to learn how to regulate our emotions, whether it's a, from triggered from social media or we're in the midst of a pandemic. We're all in a constant, sometimes changing emotional state. And we just got to understand that to be healthy. I think that's excellent information, Stephanie. Uh, parents have a lot to deal with right now with school and everything going on nationally. Besides just limiting time on on social media, which there are apps that you can install mm-hmm. on your phone to limit, it forces you to get off of social media after a certain amount of time. Mm-hmm. And if you're unsure about how how long you really are spending on social media, there's an app that'll tell you how many hours that it you sure spend, yeah. and and it can be a very eye opening right. <laughs> um, result because right. we do it without even thinking about it. We grab our phones mm-hmm. unintentionally. We're just trying to plug into that virtual world. Um, it's it's like Pavlov's theory, yeah, which you hear the ding, you hear the ding or the buzz on your phone and you immediately you grab, grab it. it. You don't mm-hmm. think about it. And, you know, Pavlov's theory was he trained dogs to salivate over food um, at the sound of a, of a bell. Mm-hmm. So after after he trained the dogs, he could just ring the bell and the dogs would salivate for food and there was no food present. So just like with that theory, we are hearing the the buzz, the beep or whatever, the Facebook messenger sound. And so we inherently just pick up our phone and right. and, and plug in. And sometimes you're in, in real life talking to someone yeah. and you're, you don't realize that you just picked it up. And now you're mm-hmm. you're kind of distracted without realizing it. But a good thing is to to download those apps and limit your time mm-hmm. on social media uh, let's talk a little bit more about positive things about social media. We don't want to end on a negative right. note. Let's let's talk about some positive things. One thing is social media has given everyone access to our podcast. That's right. If we didn't have That's social media, right. we would not be able to have this podcast. Right. So marketing, advertising, things like mm-hmm. that is great for social media on social media and connecting to people throughout mm-hmm. the world, especially right. with COVID, being able to, to talk to your you know, post a picture of your kids mm-hmm. and let your your grandma see it, who you might not be able to have exactly. seen in person. Um, talk more about some positive things about social media. Yeah, well, I, you know, I think you listed the main ones. The connection, I think, is just huge. And this is what I love about social media is we're here in Texas, West Texas, but we can connect with people in other countries. I think that that is fascinating mm-hmm. so easily. Right. And, and the information is right there and you can learn about other cultures, you know, they have uh, language learning apps where you teach each other your languages. And I think all of that is really neat. We have the ability to very much get outside of our box, get outside of ourselves and connect with someone who's different. And to me, that that is what the excitement for social media is about. 
additionally, like you said, we can, you know, post pictures and, you know, have people connect to that for some way or even just kind of tell your testimony, tell your story to inspire others. I think that that's a really neat part about it. Some people go on and share and it is inspirational. You know, they get a lot of comments that says this is inspirational. It also helps to normalize some of the things that we're going through, good or bad, because other people can say, yeah, that happened to me, too, or I'm here for you. It's a way that we can all show support for each other when done the right way. There's a lot of benefits to it if it's used and viewed in the proper way. Mm -hmm. It's not a bad thing. Unfortunately, it's kind of got a negative connotation, probably. And that's probably not right if it's balanced and and used intentionally. And so I'm a big proponent, whatever the word is, (laughs) of intentionality. When you're using social media, whether you're posting or viewing, be mindful about what's my purpose? What am I doing this for? And I think that will help. You know, you can start to identify what your why is for why you're posting a certain post or reading someone else's post. That will help put it into the proper framework and you can have boundaries around it. If your why is, I just want to see how many likes I'm going to get, well, it's probably not post this you know just don't yeah <laughs> just just don't you know my oldest is uh, is 16 and he he's an interesting kid he's he's awesome he plays football for lee he's got this really silly side but you know he's 16 and so he walks around the house and he mumbles most of the time and he doesn't really come alive until 10 30 at night and that's where i'm going to bed and i'm like right. dude really you know so he shows me his his tiktok account and you can see so much of his personality in the silly fun side that i haven't been able to see since he was little And so he'll send me his TikToks, right? And he'll send me the links to him. And it's just a fun way for us to connect. And Mm -hmm. we've been able to connect. He started watching um, some some YouTube videos just about self-improvement. And he shares those with me. And so it can be a really neat way to connect, not just seeing what's going on in someone's life, but sharing of information like we're doing here now, right? So there's a lot of benefits about it. Yeah, you can learn new things on social media. So easily. You can listen to podcasts. You can... Um, yeah. Listen to TED Talks. Exactly. There's TED a Talks, lot. Yeah. There's a lot. And I've become a huge, you know, podcast fan. And um, <laughs> but also and you're like, I want a podcast. Exactly. Look <laughs> at this. It's just there's just a lot of information that we can get when used in the in the right way. There has there's a lot of benefits. Like I said, determine your why. Be intentional about when and how and how often you use it. And I think it just proves to be a nice balance that way. You know? Wow, Stephanie, I think that was fantastic information for everyone today. Thank you for that. You're so welcome. So Stephanie and I are advocates for mental health and trying to normalize talking about mental health. So if you have questions for Stephanie, email me at bailey at recordinglibrary.org, or you can find any kind of email on our website. Just send us a pigeon. Whatever you need to do to ask Stephanie questions for our next episode, please feel free to do that. And we look forward to the next one. We uh, don't know what we're going to talk about yet, but we'll come up with something. We'll have something. There's a lot of interesting topics we can go Yes, we have a lot of great things planned. I have this idea, too, to um, kind of put you on the spot because I know you're good at that. (laughs) Oh, goodness. And have people... (laughs) message me questions I would and then that. just pull them out of a hat yeah. on show yeah, live and just have you answer them because you're, just, you're awesome at that. So. Well, I don't know how awesome I would be, but at least you get to see how my mind works in the moment. Yeah, see, I love <laughs> no that. preparation. You know, the, the point of this, we didn't want it too scripted or just oversaturate you with informa- um, articles that we found from different right. various sources and stuff like that. We, we just wanted to pick Stephanie's brain and, and do some good stuff with this podcast. Yeah. So. And I think that we are, authenticity is the key, you know, yes. which is why we just pick a topic and run with it. And 
your awesome host and keep it going and keep the conversation going and Thanks. ask the pertinent question, yeah. you know, that the audience would want to know. So this is this is great. Well, we we know that we're, we are providing accurate information. That's the biggest thing, too. Right. Accurate and factual right. information. Right. So that's that's a priority for us. So thank you for joining us again, Stephanie. And we look forward me. to the next one. We'll be there. Thank you. Post production work is done by Bailey Hennis and Matthew Green. Please follow us on all social media platforms, Recording Library of West Texas. You can show your support to the visually impaired community by sharing this podcast on your social media platforms and helping us spread the word about our mission. RLWT also does not accept any government funding. We rely strictly on grants and individual donations. So if you feel so inclined to support us with a monetary donation, please go to recordinglibrary.org. If you would like to hear a certain topic covered on the show, or if you have questions to ask Stephanie, send me an email at bailey at recordinglibrary.org. That's bailey, B-A-I-L-E-E, at recordinglibrary.org.